Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m. services, or connect with us on Facebook. Welcome to church. Glad you've joined us today. And um, what a, an appropriate title on Baby Dedication Sunday on the Back to School called Taming the Wild. I'm just kidding. They're not connected at all. I do want to say uh, to those of our uh, uh, grades uh, 6 through 12, if you are going into junior high or high school, uh, today when you leave, stop by the Information Center. There is um, uh, outside here some resources. We want to give a free t-shirt to all of our um, uh, middle and high school students are heading back to school and uh, just as a, a way to uh, uh, represent, but just uh, letting you know that we're praying for you as you, uh, as you go back, uh, back into school. You're not alone and uh, believing that God will do great things in our lives. We're kicking off a new series entitled Taming the Wild, and I hope over the next uh, couple of weeks you'll make it a point to be with us. Um, I, I know that uh, we say that every time we start a series. This is going to be three weeks long, and uh, we're taking three weeks to really look at uh, this idea of taming the wild, but the, the subtitle will be this, is getting back on track the things that get off track. Um, every one of us have the potential to get off track, that there's things in our lives, either habits or ways of thinking or ways of doing life, that things that can happen that get off track. How many have ever had a moment or a thing in life, something that's been off track in your life? Yeah, every single one of us, and so this is for two types of people. Number one, uh, those who have had things that have maybe gotten off track and need to be put back on track. Um, but then also maybe those, maybe you're so young and you say, well, everything seems to be right where it needs to be. Well, then there needs to be this, this, this approach then as well to not just get back on track, but to stay on track, to fulfill the purpose that God has for us and to allow that to be accomplished in our lives. And uh, so this this series, we're going to be looking at from the life of Samson, and in Judges chapter 13 is where we're going to look today, but, but Judges 13 to 16 tells the story of Samson, and if you know Samson, I learned Samson growing up in church and learned about Samson, and my teachers uh, in uh, Sunday school and kids' church always presented him as just a heroic individual, and that he was, but when you read the scriptures, he was crazy. He was wild. He was, he needed, man, he needed help. Um, I, I, um, I want to share today for the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at the life of Samson, um, taming the wild. And uh, oftentimes I think Samson becomes an illustration for us of not what to do, really, uh, not, not how to handle certain things. But uh, we're going to be looking each week at, at his life and uh, looking at our own, of walking in a place that we stay on course, stay on track with the purpose and what it is that God is wanting to do in our lives. So we're going to look in Judges 13 today. And while you're turning there, let me give you a little bit of backstory. Set up Samson. Here we go. So Samson, of course, is the son of uh, two uh, uh, husband and wife who lived in Dan, the tribe of Dan. Uh, this was one of the 12 tribes of Israel, so one of the territories that they would have been in. They were from that region. They were in a, in a condition of believing and asking God for a child. Uh, unfortunately, they had not been able to conceive, but God showed up 
and intervened in that situation because he's a God who does miracles, who makes the impossible possible. He's a God that works, that doesn't need circumstances in just the right way. God can work in any condition. How many believe that God's able to put anything that seems out of order in order? He can work in any condition. Here's the good news I want you to know today. It doesn't matter how old you are and how far off track you feel like your life, your marriage, your situation, circumstances, whatever it feels that it's so far off track. There's a God who knows how to redeem lost time and knows how to bring you right where you need to be, that as we trust him, that he can even make the most out of the wasted moments of our lives. He is a God who knows how to recycle and reuse so well that he can take what other people have left for waste, and God says, I'll cause that to produce something for my glory, that he works all things. Somebody say all things. He works all things together for good. Do you believe that today? You believe that he's a God who works in all circumstances and situations, that he can bring it where it needs to be. They prayed for a child. God, of course, uh, they, they have an encounter with the angel of the Lord, and uh, they find out that God gave them a promise that they will conceive a child, but not just any ordinary child. Let me just say to that point, there is no such thing as just an ordinary child. Every child that God, that God gives is a gift from God, designed by God for the purpose and the calling. There is no such thing as just a child or just a life. It, it's the thing no matter when the child is born, but I want you to know this. God sees value in every child that is born, and God sees value in every life that the society and the world thinks has no more value. God still sees value in people's lives that may have been left in the side, incarcerated, put in places. God sees value in every person, in every situation. Do you believe that he's a God who gives life? He doesn't take life. He gives life and not only gives, but gives abundantly. He gives everlasting life. Somebody give God thanks today that we have everlasting life in Christ, that this is the life that he gives us. Not just an ordinary child. He said, you're going to conceive a child, a son, But this son will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. That this child, Samson, would begin to rescue the the people of God from the Philistines. The Philistines, of course, are these enemies of God's people that show up every now and again to try and stand in the way of of what God wants to do in their life. That from the very beginning, the Philistines occupied the territory that God had given them And God said he would go before, he'd drive them out. But if you go back and read, God left the Philistines and some other people because God wanted to test the people. How many know God allows opposition in your life to develop you and to make you who he wants you to be? In fact, he says in Judges, uh, the first part, uh, I believe in Judges chapter 3, he says this, that, that the Philistines were left and not pushed out completely because there would be a generation that did not know war. And so he left the Philistines so a generation would still know what it is to fight. How many know we need a generation that still knows what it is to fight and contend and to, and to push against opposition, to stand in a place, he said, so that they would learn and that God would allow them to be tested to prove who he is in their life. The Philistines show up every, every now and again to stand in the way of what God wants to do. I want you to know there's an enemy that's going to show up every now and again to try and stand in the way, to keep you off course, to get you off course, to get you to a place where you get off of the, the purpose that God has for your life. There is an enemy doing whatever he can to get us off course. What I want to say to you today is don't help him. He's already good at his job. Don't help him. So there are some things that we can take control of that would help to bring order, to set the order of what God wants to accomplish in our lives. And so I want to look in, uh, in Judges 13, 
And uh, reading in verse 24 and 25, just two verses. And these two verses uh, really speak to the upbringing of Samson. His life is summarized in two verses, or his childhood is summarized in two verses. And uh, here's what he says. Judges 13, verse 24. If uh, you're turning there, great. If not, it's on the screen as well. When her son was born, she named him Samson, and the Lord blessed him as he grew up. Tell your neighbor, grow up. I want you to know there's a blessing that is connected to growing up. Uh, There are blessings that God has for you. As you continue to grow up, you will grow into the blessings that God has for you. Sometimes we're waiting for God to bless us before we move, but how many know that the blessing comes in obedience, not in sitting and just believing? Not just believing God can bless us, but walking in obedience. As we walk in obedience, that's where the blessing of God is. And so learning how to obey, how many parents would agree that a child learning how to obey is a child learning how to grow up and mature? God would look at his children the same way. Learning how to hear my voice, to trust his voice, to trust his word, to do what he says, to take him at his word. He says this, that the Lord blessed Samson as he grew up. Verse 25, and the spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he lived in Dan, which is located between the towns of Zorah and Eshtol. That the spirit of the Lord began to stir him as he began to grow as he lived in this specific place. I want to want you to see these two things. Number one, God blessed him as he grew up. And number two, the spirit of the Lord began to stir him in the land that he was living in. Taming the wild. And, and, and in fact, if we're going to tame the wild, it begins with this process of being stirred. And here's the title that I want to share from for today, the, the week one of Taming the Wild. Here's number one. The first week is this, agitated on purpose. How many have ever been agitated? You know what it's like to be agitated. In fact, this word stirred up literally means to be agitated. God allowed Samson to be agitated. Now, I know every one of us are agitated by something. In fact, my family would be able to tell you what agitates me. Don't ask them, mind your own business. You've got your own issues. You've got stuff that agitates you as well. Something like, what are you trying to hide? Absolutely nothing, but really Do you have to know that sometimes I get grumpy that if I'm tired, so do you, all right? So, and there are other people that I live with who get grumpy if they don't have their coffee, okay? So, it's not, it's my daughter. It was Jalen. That's, no, someone said, watch it. You're stepping close. I want, I think today we're going to step a little close because I want to identify the stuff that agitates us. There's something that's going to bother us and things at times that we get agitated. And and, uh, I know sometimes when we're agitated, what I want you to see today is God uses what agitates you to move you in the direction that he has for you. God will use what agitates you to move you in the direction that he has for you. When something agitates us, it, it gets under our skin a little bit. It bothers us. And that should make us aware easily this. You know what it's like sometimes that you can get agitated by stuff and you know that, that, that the stuff that's going on is not even that big of a deal but because you're tired after a long day. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You're tired, you've not rested well and because you're tired, what seems like a little thing begins to agitate you, not because that thing is a problem, but it's revealing and making you aware that you're tired. And oftentimes what we do is we deal with what agitates us, but the agitation, what's agitating us isn't the problem as much as it's where's it coming from. 
that it ought to tell us that we're tired. And so if you're tired, guess the best way to deal with your agitation is not to make the kids shut up, but for us to learn how to get some rest so that we're not easily bothered and easily taken off guard or easily in a place of being upset because of circumstances and things that go around us. Does that make sense? It makes you aware of what's going on. Now, there might be some, and I've heard some people say, well, that individual, they are so good, and they'll, they'll say how, how good they are. They'll compliment them, and they compliment them like this. Nothing ever bothers them. Now, I know what you're trying to say, but if nothing ever bothers you, that means you don't care about anything. Now, what you're probably saying, what we're really saying is, they don't get bothered by menial things, or they don't get bothered by dumb stuff. They don't get over, but something still bothers you. Because if something doesn't bother you, that's more of a concern than being bothered. Because then there becomes this careless, this blasé, nothing matters. I grew up in a foster home. I was the, I was the, uh, uh, the one who stayed, and I had foster kids come into my house. My, my parents were foster parents. And man, one of the best things that we would have uh, so many personalities and kids come through our home. Uh, one of those were two sets of twins that came into our home, uh, at mom and dad's home. In fact, this was after Jody and I were married, and their name were Ray and Dakota. Uh, they were about 14 years old, uh, twin boys, and they were big. They were taller than me, stockier than me. They were big boys. They were like, if you, they had the look that if you messed with them, it could hurt, like they could come down heavy. And so you don't know what kind of fuse it might be, and so you you maybe would approach lightly. And so I remember meeting them, and I said, hey, Ray, hey, Dakota, what's up? Hey, Jason. I'm like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. Did not see that coming from that body. I mean, this kid, especially Dakota, he is so chill. Now, we've not seen him for a number of years. He was, uh, went back with his family. And, uh, but these kids were so chill that Dakota, nothing bothered Dakota. One day we were helping my brother-in-law move. Uh, my sister and my brother-in-law were moving uh, from one town to another within the same area, just one side of Gettysburg to the other side. And so we're helping them move. And my dad and I are in one pickup truck. And my, my, uh, my brother-in-law and Ray and Dakota are in another pickup truck. And so we had unloaded it at one place and going back to get another load of furniture and things from the, the other house. And as we were leaving the place that they were, we stopped at the 7-Eleven because they've got a big gulp, fountain soda. Everyone stops to get a drink. We stopped there. My dad and I park on one side of the 7-Eleven, and my brother-in-law and Ray and Dakota park on the other side. Dad and I are walking in, having small conversation. My dad's name is Terry, and surely I hear this voice that comes this quiet voice, and I hear this voice, Terry, hey, Terry. I look up, and there is Dakota with his arm sitting on the window, the window down of my brother-in-law's truck. Somehow, it had been knocked out of gear, and the truck was now drifting backwards into 97, a highway that is going into Gettysburg. It is drifting out the parking lot to the exit onto the highway, and Dakota is sitting there, Terry, the car's moving. I'm like, what? So I see the car moving, and as it's rolling, I take off, and I'm screaming, hit the brake, hit the brake, and I'm running. Dakota's just sitting there. The car hits the curb, and when it does, the wheel kind of jerks a bit and starts to roll into traffic. I jump in, open the door. I jump in. I slam the brake. <gasps> Dakota says, you going to get a soda? You're kidding me, kid. You're too calm right now. I mean, nothing ever shook this kid. 
scary. The car's moving. I could cause an accident in the middle of the highway, but the car's moving. I wonder sometimes there can be the place that we can become so complacent that nothing bothers us, but I think it's healthy for us to identify that there are some things that not only do bother us, but should bother us. There's some stuff we ought to look at and allow and recognize that there's things that are agitating us. There are things that need to be addressed. In Judges 13 here, it says that the Spirit of the Lord began to stir. And that word literally means agitate. the, The Spirit of the Lord began to stir or agitate in Samson while he lived in Dan, the region of the tribe of Dan. And here between Zorah and Eshtel. Now here are the two places he's living in between. This is where he's living. I don't know where you're living today. I don't know where you're living, but I would imagine that where you're living, there ought to be some things that do or should agitate you or bother you. There's some things that that ought to agitate and move us and affect where we are, the place that we're living. And here is where Samson lived. On one side was called Zorah. Now, Zorah literally means, in the original word, it means hornets. And when you hear hornets, you and I could read this and think, oh, wow, someone got creative and named a town after hornets. That's pretty cool. But it's more than that. What it meant to them was that every time they saw hornets and they recognized hornets, whether it was literal or it was what God was using, it was always associated with God's promise to chase out the enemies ahead of them when they would go into the new land. In fact, in Exodus, here's what the Bible says. It says that when you go in, that the Lord promised to go ahead of them. And when the Lord goes ahead, he'll send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, and everything else that's in front of you, that he says he's going to drive all those things out. What's he going to use? The hornets. You can look at Joshua, Deuteronomy. Every time it says hornets, it's connected to God's promise and his power to go ahead of you and to take care of what's standing in front of you. So on one side, he's living on one side of him is hornets, which means God's promise to go ahead and his ability to take care of those things that are in front of you. On the other side is Eshtel. And Eshtel means this, the place of granted promise. It means the request is granted, where God does what we're asking and what we're believing God for. How many know that sometimes we live between the place of knowing God's ability and yet still waiting for God's promise and for God's manifestation to do what we know he said he's able to do? And sometimes we live in the middle. How many know that when you live in the middle of believing God's able and it's not going the way you want it, how many know that can be a place of agitation? when it's not as you know it ought to be, that there can be a place that you become agitated. There's a bother, and it ought to bother. It ought to be a problem in that place. And when we live in that place, I think it's important that we allow and recognize that God will use the things that agitate us to move us in the direction that he has for us. He's using the things that agitate us to move us in the direction that he has for us. That we have to be aware of what it is that's agitating the things that are coming, that he's stirring this up. I want to ask you today, are you being stirred by the Spirit of God or have we allowed ourselves to grow complacent with how things are? Just justifying or trying to be comfortable. We can get so good as I don't want to stir anything up. I don't want to create any any issues, so I'll just stay quiet, not addressing things that need to be addressed. You know what we do? We suppress then the stuff that if we don't deal with shows up at some inopportune times because we've not addressed some things that agitate us and we've just suppressed 
and then a marriage hits a bump. They never thought that would come out, and the reason is because we just suppressed and left undealt with our children and relationships that we've intended, that unmet expectations, things that, that, that concern us. Rather than addressing the things that concern us, we wait to an inopportune time, and then all of a sudden we're caught off guard. And you know that moment where somebody just blows up? It never just blows up because there's been some stuff that's agitating that's not been dealt with, some stuff that's not been handled properly, things that have not been put. God allows the things to agitate us so that it can move us in the direction that he has for us. You're not supposed to be okay with how everything goes because it ought to be sometimes you're the things that bother you that ought to get your attention to say, God, I'm aware that something's bothering me. Now make me aware of what you want to do about it. God, help me to be aware of what you want to do about it. Because the question is that we either become complacent, we either become complacent with the way things are, or we allow God to work this in us to change what needs to be changed. Um, I want to, let me just give you, let me tell you how crazy Samson is, okay? Judges 15, so chapters 13 to 16, you can go back and read that, but here's Samson in Judges 15. Samson is uh, having a problem with the Philistines. They're the enemy of God. Uh, but Samson falls in love with a woman from, from uh, the Philistine uh, uh, people. Uh, that's another thing we'll talk about, falling in love with the enemy. That's another sermon we'll, we'll hit. But uh, I told you, Samson is not the guy to follow how he did things, okay? Samson falls in love with a woman and uh, says, I want her. And uh, he gets her because how many know that lust will always put you in the wrong direction and cause you to go to places that are not intended. But as he does, uh, he, of course, feels like he's taken advantage of through the Philistines and and, uh, this riddle that he has, and so he leaves her, but he comes back for her. And when he does, his father-in-law says, no, you can't come in. I gave her away to your best man. How many know that's messed up? I mean, that's Jerry Springer stuff right there. That just, that just... Don't waste your time, okay? So if you don't even know what that is, good for you. I just, uh, it's not even worth it. Um, he said, we gave her, gave her, uh, I gave her to your best man. I thought you were gone. You weren't coming back. Well, the uh, Samson was pretty ticked off about that. So Samson goes out and he captures 300 foxes, like the animal foxes, not the ladies, the foxes. He captures 300 of these foxes, he ties their tails together in pairs and then attaches to it, ties to it, a torch. Some of you are like, you're making this up. Read the Bible, y'all. It's pretty exciting and pretty crazy stuff that happens in there. He then takes these, these 300 foxes, ties them together, their tails, with a torch, lights the torch on fire, and then sends 150 of these pairs into the crops and the grain and the fields of the Philistines. He burns down a lot of their resources, their crops. They wake up the next day. They said, who did this? They said, Samson. And the reason he did it is because his father-in-law gave away his wife. So the Philistine leaders, the people of the, of the area said, well, that's not good. So they went and got Samson's father-in-law and his wife and then burned her to death. It's weird stuff that happens in the Bible, y'all. They, he burns that, her to death, burns them to death out of anger. And as or the, the Philistines do this because they're angry that this happened, Samson then finds out that they've now killed his wife. And how many know he's even more angry? So he goes in, and the Bible says he killed many of them. Now, uh, we are not endorsing rage here, but there are some things that I want you to see in the Spirit that ought to bother us and ought to move us in the direction 
that God wants us to go in. He, of course, the Bible says that he begins to defeat the Philistines and begins to to kill many of them. And when he does, he then goes back to his territory and goes to a place of isolation. They call it the rocks where he's hanging out. And so Samson goes to hang out there. Well, the Philistines don't like this because he burned their crops and then Samson retaliated this whole thing, tit for tat, goes back and forth. And so they take armies with them and they begin to occupy parts of Judah and begin to move in on them. Judah comes up and says, hey, Philistines, what are you doing to us? And the Philistines said, we've come to capture Samson. Samson has been causing us problems. We're coming to capture Samson. Now, listen to how, the Philist- or how, the, how Judah responds. Philistines said, we're coming to capture Samson. And they well, why do you want to capture Samson? Because he's killing our people and he's weakening us. And so guess what God's people says? Oh, well, we'll help you. Now, this is a problem. Let, let me read what it says, in fact. In fact, in, in Judges 15, verse 11, it says, So 300 men of Judah went down to get Samson at the cave in the rock of Edom. So 300 of God's people went to go after Samson, or 3,000 of them. They said to Samson, don't you realize that the Philistines rule over us? What are you doing to us? Now, I want you to get this. Samson is defeating and causing trouble in the, with the Philistines, who is God's enemy, the enemy of God's people. Y'all following me? And so Samson's stirring the pot with the enemy, and the enemy says, hey, We don't like what you're doing. We want to capture Samson. God's people says, we'll help you. No trouble here. And here's what they say to Samson. Don't you realize that the Philistines rule over us? What are you doing to us? Here's the flip that you and I read this and we're like, yeah. Some of us would read this and be like, absolutely, Samson. You're making it harder on us. But here's the problem. We read it from our perspective of where we are, but not from God's because they said to Samson, don't you realize the Philistines rule over us? And I think Samson could have said back, don't you realize that's not what God intended it to be? Don't you realize that we're ruled by the Philistines? I wonder if there's some things that we've allowed and complacency that have hit our homes. And the enemy says, don't you realize that that all marriages go through this? Don't you realize that this struggle, this thing happens? Don't you realize? And I think we've got to come back to the enemy rather than sitting on our hands and say, yeah, the enemy's the culture. It's bad. It's rough. We've got to be people who know the power and the purpose of God who says, even though that's the way it is, it's not the way God meant for it to be. I wonder if it's time for us to get agitated by the things that are happening in our world rather than sitting back and saying, well, you know, that's just how people do it these days. Well, you know, that's how people do before they get married. That's how things happen. You know, that's just the culture. It's just the place that we live. It's just how things are. That's just how people relate to each other. That's just how it is. And the danger that we fall into is that we miss that the things that should agitate us and move us to a place of responding, we become complacent in. And when we become complacent, we become sitting ducks. You know why? Because it doesn't bother us like it used to. We get good at just going along with the way it's been and forget to expect that God can do something miraculous in our situation. We settle for, well, this is just the way it is. You've heard me say it this way. It is what it is. Oh, but it doesn't have to always be. There are some things that we've allowed complacency. You know why? Because we've not dealt with them. 
I'm going to hit an arrow and it's going to land real close to some people's feet. And here's what it is. Sometimes we can become so agitated and moved in our workplace. You've got a competitive spirit. You've got people who know how to move and get things done and they become, they, they become aggressive and agitated. They're, someone says you don't know how to do it. They're gonna figure out how to make it happen. They're gonna work it. They're gonna do it. And they work things within their workplace, but they're so passive in their home. And when they ought to lead in their home, they sit back and just let everything happen however it happens. Can't do anything about it. But the same agitation that causes you to work hard in your job and put all your effort to do what you do in one place, somehow you've lost it to do it at your home. You know what I think that means? It means we become so good at being occupied and busy with stuff we can control that we try to use that as a distraction so we don't have to confront the stuff that we don't know how to deal with. We're covering up what's really agitating us. And we're masking it by just being busy somewhere else. Being busy in another place rather than addressing and dealing with the stuff that we've got to work through. I know it can be hard, parents, and because I'm one of you. But there are times when my kids, and now they're coming to a place where they're, they're not completely grown, but I've had to have sit-down conversations and say, hey, this is how we do what we do because this is what honors and pleases God. And I know that I can empower my kids to say, you make your own decisions, but I couldn't because as for me in my house, I'm called to be a voice and to speak. And I know there's these opportunities, these moments, because anything, here's, here's, what, here's what you need to hear. If nothing changes, nothing changes. If nothing's spoken, I know there are times that we might not like as things are addressed, but it becomes that if we honor God, that we address in a way that is honoring that there's times that the silence, in fact, in, in uh, the third week, we're going to talk about the danger of silence, that, that we've got to be careful to not be silent in those moments. But if there's something confronting or there's something agitating, if we don't deal with it in the proper way, that it becomes dangerous in something down the road that's going to affect us even harder. Um, they said to Samson, don't you realize the Philistines rule over us? And I would say to you, don't you realize that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is at work inside of you? Don't you realize that God is greater, that greater is he that is in you than he that, don't you realize who our God is? You might say, yeah, but this has been off course for so long. This has gone wild for so long. Don't you realize that there's a God whose arm is not too short, that can reach to any place, that can redeem and work in any moment and situation? Don't you know that it doesn't matter? There might be something in your life right now that's off course, and here's the danger. The danger is to try and learn how to just deal with it. Suck it up, suppress it, and just learn how to do the dance. That's not God's desire. God's desire is to confront in a godly way those things that would agitate, to be moved, to be bothered. There are some things that ought to bother us. There ought to be some things that move us. There ought to be some things. Do you realize that it's tension that causes things to really grow? Do you know growth will happen in marriages even through some healthy tension? Oh, some of you look at me like I just got weird right there. Do <laughs> you know some of the weakest marriages that don't know how to have godly and orderly disagreements? 
Some of the weakest marriages will be those that don't know how to disagree in a godly way. But some of the weakest will be the ones that, well, we just don't want to stir anything up. We're just going to just keep it calm and keep it, and we want to give the compliment. Nothing bothers them. Oh, no, you're just letting a dangerous dog lie until a moment it becomes hard to deal with. That we've got to put, let, let me give you some things that when it, when it agitates, and here's, here's what, what, it, what it needs to do. Number one, when you get agitated, raise your hand if you've ever been agitated. We've got some unbothered people in the room. That's good. <laughs> Terry, the car's moving. <laughs> let me give you these things. Worship team's going to come and help us close. Here's number one. Number one, when you get agitated, it needs to identify, or what it does, it helps you identify what God intended. When you get, when you get agitated with something, it helps you to ident- identify what God intended. Do you know that God did not intend for Israel to be ruled by the Philistines? How many would say amen to that? I know that because he said in chapter one of Judges, he said, send Judah first because he's given them victory over the land. How many know if God gave them victory over the land, he didn't intend for them to be ruled by the Philistines? There might be a moment and a time, but it's not supposed to be like this forever. It's not the place. He's not saying, well, get comfortable. Just, you know, just get comfortable to those, those, that oppression and just learn how to deal with it. No, he's saying there's a moment and a time that it's going to have to bother you. Do you know what God intended? That it, we need to allow the things that agitate us when it bothers us. you got to say, God, does this bother you? The things that bother you, does it bother God? Because you ought to get bothered by the things that bother God. How many would say that's all right to get bothered by the stuff that bothers God? It ought to bother us. If it bothers God, it ought to be a bother to us. It ought to agitate and move us to a place of doing something about it. Number one, it helps us identify what God intended. Is this what God intended? Number two, it helps us to connect to our calling. Do you know that, that here it is, this is what uh, Samson was called to do. It said that he would be the begin to rescue God's people from Israel, from Philistines. He would begin to rescue them from the Philistines. If that is his calling, how many know then what's bothering him, God is using to help him find out what his calling is. My mom got bothered because there were kids, because of her own home growing up in and things where kids were just left to themselves, where parents and and, and situations that it became all about the parents and the parents arguing and separating. The kids just get left behind. My mom got bothered by that. You know what she did? She opened a foster home because she got bothered by what was going on. It moved her. You know what my mom's calling is? Is not mine. I can't do what my mom does. My mom has the patience and the ability this, this, and, and just being vulnerable. Man, I grew up in that. You know how many kids come in and I make good relationships and then they leave and I'm crying because I no longer have the friend that I had. I mean, this up and down, but my mom went through that. You know why? Because she got bothered that kids were left in a place and had a need and it became a part of her calling. Do you know that God will use some of the stuff that agitates and bothers you to get you to a place that he wants you to fulfill the purpose that he has for your life? It's hard to fulfill God's purpose when you just get content doing nothing. Can I say that again? And if you can pay attention to what I'm just saying here right now, because it's hard to fulfill God's purpose when we just get content doing nothing and just sitting by and just dealing with it. That's not God's purpose. God's purpose is not to be in a place of oppressed 
It's not God's purpose for any person to be in an abusive relationship. That is not God's will. God did not intend that. I don't know why I need to say this right now, but I just feel a prompt in my spirit, so I'm going to say it. If you're in an abusive relationship, that is not God's will for your life. If you're in an abusive relationship, God did not... God does not intend for you to stay there and just take it. Some of you might be saying, Jason, what are you endorsing? What are you saying? I'm saying that in Christ there ought to be protection, that there ought to be safety, that there ought to be in a place of of providing for protection. I don't know why I feel like I need to say that to somebody. You need to hear that today. You don't need to stay in an abusive relationship. That is not God's intention and will for your life. There's a process after that. We would love to counsel. If you need counseling in those areas, we can counsel through that. What God intends, that he'll move you to the purpose that he has for your life. Let me give you the last thing here, is that God would, that when we become agitated, it moves us into position. And what is the position? The position is where God can empower us to do what he's able to do through us. Um, that God would allow that work to come upon us. Let, let, me, let me give you the rest of this in chapter 15. Here's what he says. The men told Judah, we have come, or the men of Judah told Samson, we have come to tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines. All right, Samson said, but promise that you won't kill me yourself. They said, don't you realize you're making things hard on us? Don't you realize the Philistines rule over us? We're taking you in. And Samson said, all right, take me in, but don't kill me yourself. They said, we won't. So they tied him up with two new ropes and brought him up from the rock. As Samson arrived at Leah, the Philistines came shouting in triumph. How many have ever had a moment where all you've heard is the enemy's shouts of triumph over your life, over your situation? How many have ever heard the enemy's shouts of triumph? This is, once again, not me showing you how to raise your hand. I'm telling you. I've been at the places where the enemy has said so loud, I've got you right where I want you. You've got things falling apart. You thought things, you never saw yourself being in this situation, and you're now where you never thought you'd be, going through what you never thought you'd go through, facing what you never thought you'd face. I've got you up against the ropes. How many know that it's easy when you hear the enemy shouts, it's easy at that moment to feel like, okay, God, I'm just going to have to learn how to deal with it. I'm just going to have to learn how it's always going to be this way. I'm just stuck in this situation. I'm stuck in this moment. No, you're not because too many of us end the story right there, but that's not where the story ends. It says that the Philistines came shouting in triumph, but the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson. But the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson. When the shouts were upon him, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson. And here's what he did. The Bible says that he snapped the ropes on his arms and they fell like they were burnt strands of flax. They fell from his wrist. Then he found the jawbone of a recently killed donkey. He picked it up and he killed a thousand Philistines with it. He got agitated enough that even though the enemy said loud, I've got you, I've got your family, I've got your marriage, I've got your situation, I've got your finances, I've got your future, I've got your kids, I've got your life. They heard the shout and some of you have heard the shout saying you've been left behind, you've been forsaken, you've been abandoned, your future's falling apart. You hear the shouts but I want you to know that the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you and will cause those ropes to break and will cause you to walk in the victory 
that God has for you. You're not according to the shouts of the enemy. You are according to the word of the Lord that who the Son sets free is free indeed. You're free indeed. I don't know who I'm talking today that you've just been dealing with it. You've just been learning how to deal with it. No, you've got you, to learn how to get agitated in a godly way and to deal with it in a godly way, but allow those things to move you. Be moved. You need the Spirit of God to come upon us. That we would not just be agitated, but we would say, God, help me to handle what's agitating me because God will use what agitates you to move you, move you in the direction that He has for you. Let me say that one more time. God will use the things that agitate you to move you in the direction that he has for you. Amen? We're going to close with this song. I know what time it is. So do you. I know. I want to close with this song, but I want to challenge us today. Here's the thought. I want us to change the thought of the things that might be agitating us. Uh, Jody and I moved into our new home seven years ago when we came back to Uniontown and and when we moved, uh, moved back here, we moved into our new home and we had the privilege of getting a washer and a dryer, like for new and real, like we were going to pick one out. Because we've always had the one where, you know, mom and dad's done with it so you can get it, or we got a good deal at the yard sale, whatever. We were going to buy our own washer and dryer. I mean, this is a big deal, y'all. We're picking it out. And so she, of course, she's picking it out. Uh, I'm just going along. And so, we find out, they tell us, here is a, an efficiency washer. It will save you money on the water. It won't take as much energy. It's a high efficiency washer. It will even fit more clothes. It can do a lot. It's a high efficiency washer. The only problem is it didn't have the agitator, which we didn't realize what a big deal that was because we got the high efficiency one. Now some of you are like, oh, shucks, we did too. Well, we gave ours away to somebody that we really love and we went and bought a new one just a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Keep the dryer, the dryer's cool. And Jody said this time, she said, I don't care if it's high end or whatever it is, I just wanna make sure it has the agitator. I just wanna make sure it has the agitator. She says, the clothes, it's just all together different. It doesn't, it doesn't smell as good as it could. It's not, and I'm telling you what, I pulled socks out of the drawer and I put socks on and I'm like, what is that aroma coming from my feet? It was a glorious moment. Somebody like, <laughs> too much information, too much information. <laughs> This smells different. Why? Because we settled for the efficiency that wouldn't cost as much, but we missed out on the agitator that caused what needed to come out to come out. God wants to use the agitations of life to get out of you the stuff He put inside of you. That He wants you to walk in power. You know what? Sometimes walking in power means I just rubbed up to something. Oh, I didn't like that. That, that bothered me a little bit. God, why does that bother me? God said, because I want it to get inside of you. What's inside of you to come out of you. I want it to bother you, to move you to what I have for you. I don't want you to settle and just stay where you've been. High efficiency. Can I say today, let's do away with high efficiency Christianity. Let's do away with high efficiency Christianity that says you won't cost much you won't have to pay as much you won't have to do as much it's not going to be as much and guess what you won't get as much out of it 
It won't bring out what God wants out because it's high efficiency. You don't have to invest too much. You don't have to take too much. You can save on this. It can be what you want it to be. That's the problem. But God says, no, let me agitate. Let, let, let me use some things to agitate you a little bit. Let me use some things that might work in you because God wants to use what agitates you to move you in the direction that he has for you. Does that make sense? I want you to see your agitations differently. There's some of us in the room who have learned to just deal with it. We've suppressed it. I've been there, done that. It's not godly. Because what we do is we try to learn to live according. It's, 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 it's Samson, or the Philistines saying to Samson, don't you realize we're under Philistines' rule? And I want to say back, don't you realize that's not the way God intended it to be. And I think it ought to be okay for a church to rise up with some confidence to say, no, this is what the word of the Lord says. This is what God says. I'm going to do according to what God's intention, his purpose. I want his will to come out of my life. I want him to move me. So spirit of God, come upon me. Spirit of God, come upon me. How many would say today, God, I need your spirit to come upon me. I need your spirit, a fresh touch of your spirit. Come on, would you stand up?